genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, because you demanded it, we continue <laughs> our mini-series on the Mummy franchise, winner of this year's Listener Pick Tournament, with the conclusion of the Brendan Fraser trilogy. It's 2008's The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And we have no guest joining us to talk about ancient China, yetis, and losing your accent is no one. Scott, mm. uh, I was watching this movie. I, ju- I just finished it a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, staring at the screen like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> sure. And this thought kept kind of like pulsing in my head of like in an hour. Or like, you know, in half an hour, I'm going to sit down, look Scott dead in the eye, and he's going to try telling me why this is better than The Mummy Returns. Uh-huh. And I was like, that that concept confounded me. Uh-huh. Like, the idea that he's going to be like, no, I don't know, it's better than The Mummy Returns. And, like, and then like every time something would happen, I would be like fuck, he's going to think this is better than The Mummy Returns. Because <laughs> something clicked when we were doing our Mummy Returns episode. I could see it in your eyes. It it, it became personal. Mm. Uh, something happens sometimes when you really don't like a movie or you really like a movie, and it becomes kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm planting a flag on this. This is now personal. Like, <laughs> kind of the Jurassic World effect of, like, I am now going to, like, this is now going to be, like, a and so... um. I'm 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 sort of anxious about I was anxious about this episode because of that. Mm. And so I'm I'm uh I guess I just want to rip the band-aid off before we even get into any kind of like <laughs> where were you when this movie first came out, you know? So Sure, sure. So let's let's um, do it. <laughs> so so um I don't think that this is I, I think this does some things better than the mummy returns and some things worse than the mummy returns. I think they're both equally not good, okay. but in completely different ways. Um, uh, you know, all of the action stuff in mummy returns is way better conceived, um, than the stuff in this minus mm-hmm. the yetis, which fucking rule. Yeah, sure. Sorry. I agree. The, yeah, the yeah, yetis are fucking yeti, great. Yeti, yetis are they're, great. They're, they're fucking. They're, they just they come out of fucking nowhere. Out of nowhere. And they're just like, and they're just like, we're here. Who needs help? Let's go. And it's it's we're kind yetis. of the best. It's, yeah. it's literally the best part of the whole movie. Um, it's fucking great. Uh, okay, so all of the all of the action adventure stuff is better conceived on a micro and macro level in in mummy returns without a doubt um 
I'd say, you know, most of the visual effects are better in this one because I think they probably had a lot more time I'd agree. Uh, yeah. to, to work on stuff. Um, there are sequences that I like in this, but I don't think that they're executed as well as either of the other Mummy movies. For sure. Um, Rob Cohen. Uh, not as interesting as interesting of a director, uh, mostly because he started out as a producer, um, and also he's like an asshole, right? Isn't that a thing? Ah, uh, um, yeah. I learned some yeah. really awful stuff about him uh, this episode. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I I know he got uh, he got. I I don't know if I want. I don't want to because I don't remember what it was. So I don't know if he got me tooed specifically. <laughs> sure. But yeah. he was kind of in that that whole like cyclone mm-hmm. of like. Names we're we're revealing bad shit about all of these people uh, right. that have been working in the Hollywood system. Here it is. Um, mm-hmm. I know that he got he got sucked into all of that, um, and obviously, rightfully so. Uh, not you know, if he's oh for sure. Yeah, but, um, but uh, uh, yeah, so he's not as good of a di- of, of a director as Steve, or he's not as imaginative as a director. Um, that being said, I do think I was looking at his his. Uh, uh, his filmography as a director. And I was like, I think this is the most imaginative movie that he directed, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Because, you know, a Rob Cohen listeners, kind of his break broke through by directing uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, back in like the late mm-hmm. 90s. Um, then broke out even more so with the one-two punch of The Fast and the Furious and Triple X. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Prior to this movie, directed the pretty costly bomb at the time, 2005 Stealth for right. Sony, yeah. which uh, many of us saw on our PSPs. <laughs> oh, yes, that's Remember? right. <laughs> uh, uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, what a time. <laughs> and uh, his most recent movie was 2018's The Hurricane Heist. Yeah. Um, and that was the last time anyone ever heard of him because he was canceled pretty quickly after that, I believe. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so okay, so here's here's my here's my feeling, and uh-huh. I and I and I I realized after we recorded what it was that was really sticking in my craw, other than the visual effects. Sure, what was really sticking in my craw about the Mummy Returns and why it felt so so much smaller, even though it was a grander scope and all of these things. Yeah, more bigger um, quote quotation marks. Right, right. My issue with it was that. The only person in that entire movie that has an arc is Emotep. That's it. No one else in that movie has a character arc. They enter the movie and exit the movie exactly the same. Nothing about them changes. They don't make any discoveries about themselves other than lineage-based. Yeah, weird Um, flashback tattoo-based reveals. Where they're they're all MacGuffins. Like, every character in the movie is a MacGuffin. Yeah. Is an object- that is move, being moved around a a, a narrative, um, like a chessboard. But they're not. Uh, the only thing that's driving them is like we want to get our son back. But that's not a that's not a character arc. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's not like Rick is like man, I really don't like being a dad, and then like learns to be a better dad. No, he starts like a pretty good dad, and then ends like a pretty good dad, and, right. and you know. Yeah. So or, or Evelyn. the- Evelyn's not like oh, what do I want to? I used to be a librarian, but now I'm an adventurer, and like yeah. Who am I or what do I want to do? And I'm like, not even like we just whip those out of the ether in like two seconds. And like, yeah. they don't even have that in the movie. 
No, just there's nothing. Emotep mm-hmm. is the only person with an arc, and you only understand what his arc is in his literally last ten seconds on planet Earth, um, <laughs> like, before oh. being dragged to the depths of Hades. Yeah. Um, so that's my issue. I think that was the thing that I I I, I hadn't pinpointed that. Yeah. Um. When I fresh off watching it, but looking back on it, that was my problem. And this movie does have those things, right? They they mm, the yeah. characters have something that they're struggling with at the beginning. That the adventure that they go on gives them like a renewed vigor or or what? Like it's not a great arc, but it's but there. there's something. It's yeah. there. Um. The plot of this is just as convoluted as Mummy Returns. Mm-hmm. Um. Just as like, uh, we have to you get know, the, the thing, thing that, to do the thing. Yeah, and then and then that, but that thing will give us another thing that we have to use to take to this place to do this other thing, exactly. to make this happen, to do this thing, to stop this thing, to wake um, up the army to do the thing. Yeah, yeah, just super complicated. Like, uh, you know, really, the narrative is is not great. Um, it's not as clean as that first Mummy movie, which is like super crystal clear. Yeah, um, clean, but like you said, has a lull in the middle. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, arguably, because like I, you know. One thing I'll say about yeah. all of these movies that I noticed, none of them are over two hours. Yeah. Well, um, isn't isn't The Mummy Returns like like 210? Is it? I think it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this right now because I remember being like, oh, I'm liking how short these are. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I and I think again, yeah, I think I think a lot of the visual effects in this one are, are super admirable. And yeah, definitely, you know, not meme worthy or is infamy yeah you're right yeah 130 wow um of as the mummy returns like especially the finale i think that a lot of that looks really cool Mm -hmm. um and you know you and i this past summer we both independent of franchiseography rewatched the indiana jones movies yes i was thinking about indiana jones a lot during this one yeah and i because i think you know obviously those movies are sort of the the mummy movies and the Indiana Jones movies are sort of brought up as in the same genre subgenre of like sure. you know plucky adventurers stopping the thing from awakening you know yeah and, ser- serial style in- adventures absolutely yeah and yeah. In- like Indiana with, with like you could throw like Rocketeer in there you know for sure like Rocketeer that. yeah Uncharted yeah. maybe you know most recently sure. um yeah. the games and the movie because I think like right. The games are really going for like we want to make you feel like you're in like a Spielberg or Steven Sommer's like set piece with like, for sure hopping from cart to cart and like punching people and whatnot. Right, um, right, right. Actually, especially the gunplay is much more reminiscent of the mummy movies than Indiana Jones. That's true. Of just like mowing That's people true. down with like machine guns. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that I learned to appreciate rewatching every Indiana Jones movie, including Dial of Destiny, is mm-hmm. as much as like I think Raiders is like beautiful and admirable in the way that Indiana Jones does not really have an arc. Oh no, he totally does. Exactly. I think there's go, a lot. Yeah, he I goes think there's from a skeptic lot. to believer. He goes from skeptic to believer. He goes from like I don't need anybody to like. Well, at least I got my girl Marion by my side. And right. I think in every single Indiana Jones movie, he has like a really cool, compelling little mini arc. Yes, totally. Like, Totally. Especially in, you know, Last Crusade, you know, he, he goes yeah. from like, yeah, from. And so I think while those movies are brought up a lot, I wish that the mummy movies, especially the sequels, 
had as gave as much to do as they you know for Evelyn and and Rick as they did for Indy. Yeah, because I think I think the issue is that um, you know I t- I talk about this a lot when I when I talk about uh, Zack Snyder as a director. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I think the same could probably say, be said about about Stephen Summers in this case. Um, I don't. I'm not going to throw Rob Cohn in there just because, like, he's totally a work from hire on this. Yeah, and like he's a hired, yeah, he's hired goon. They're, and and they're and they're trying to recreate the vibe of the last two movies, which were made by Stephen Summers. So mm-hmm. I'm only going to throw Stephen Summers under the bus. <laughs> who on, who, who under remains this particular as a bus? And he remains as a producer on this one, for what it's worth. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I you know it, it's this thing where there are certain directors who have iconography that they want to hit, uh-huh. and regardless, like with iconography that they think looks cool, but they don't really understand in any meaningful way, mm-hmm. and so they put it in their movie because they're like, yeah, it's cool, right? It's like that other thing, but you're like, but that worked in the other thing because of all of these things. And none of those things are in your thing. Um, the perfect example, the, the example I always use for Zack Snyder is in Watchmen. Um, he uses uh, Ozymandias's cat, his big cat, right? Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, you can't have Ozymandias without his big fucking cat. Like that's, he, that's so cool, right? Like Ozymandias has his big fucking cat. I was like, yeah, but in the comic, the cat is an experiment where he tries to create a biological, original biological creation as a trial run for what he eventually does with the giant squid hitting New York. But you've taken the giant squid out of your movie, and now you're recreating Dr. Manhattan's powers to frame him for doing what happens to New York at the end of Watchmen. So why did he have a trial run biological creature that he created if it wasn't ultimately to make the squid thing like that and that see so that's what i'm talking about yeah. where it's just like no he put the thing in because it looks cool and it's an iconic part of watchmen but he doesn't understand what its purpose is in watchmen he just puts it in because it looks cool so steven summers is like i want to make an indiana jones riff but he doesn't really understand he understands like spielbergy stuff and like the technical uh uh technical way that the action adventure set pieces are supposed oh, to work this of, and this of and like that. yeah for every win that your character gets he has to have two losses right mm-hmm. because then when he finally wins at the end of the set piece you're going to feel like a lot more triumphant right right total spielberg thing he absolutely understands that but he doesn't, I don't think, understand that Indiana Jones has an arc in all of those movies. I would bet if you ask Stephen Summers about Raiders of the Lost Ark, he would be like, he'd be one of those people who are like, yeah, the craziest thing about Raiders of the Lost Ark is that if you take Indiana Jones out of it, the whole movie would be the same. He's one of those people, it's I like, would guess. Well, it's like, yeah, just because just because he doesn't have like secret blood or, right. uh, you know, he was like, Indy was really like had a tattoo that made him one of like the Magi or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Like because people get confused. I think they 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 associate plot with story. Yeah. And it's not the same story is that in the that Dr. Henry Jones starts that movie as like a, a massive skeptic. I don't believe in any of that. Hope as a pocus. believer. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. As, as the movie as a believer 
telling Marion not to open her eyes because the wrath of God will kill them both. Yeah. Um, if she does. Like, that's a huge arc. That is that is a, a surmountable character arc. Um, it's not, you know... Plot. Uh, y- right. It's not him, like, struggling with, like, drug abuse, and it's not him having magic blood, right? It's not something that is like very obvious and it's not something that is uh turns him into a macguffin like movies love to do now mm-hmm. um but it's there it's a real character arc and yeah i completely agree i wish i think it's the reason why like as much as i like the mummy and, and as fun as that movie is even the first one yeah i don't love it like other people do because like the character arcs in that movie are there but like kind like barely like it's it's yeah. Yeah, like I mean like what <clears throat> what does what do Rick and Evelyn learn about themselves or how do they change from the end of the mummy to the begin to the beginning of the mummy besides like they're in love now they have each other. That I mean that's basically what it is I think is that they they learn to be a little more like each other by the end of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Kind of where mm-hmm. it's like she was very like bookish and non-adventurous and then she becomes very adventurous by the end. And he was very adventurous, like like uh, punch first, think later kind of guy. And then mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, like, you know, he's a little more like her where he's like trying to like problem solve before going into the issue. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think that first mummy, <clears throat> I don't want to say coast because that sounds dismissive, but like I think it. It it you that movie works so well that first one off of like vibes and chemistry, a hundred percent, yeah, and and like yeah some really fun sex uh, set pieces and sequences, um, yeah. but like yeah I agree with you I don't I don't I don't think I'm as hot on that first mummy as and maybe that's why the mummy returns hit so hard for me last week is I remember mm. that one being like oh the kid's so annoying and the special effects are bad. That I was right. like, wow, there's some fun stuff in here. This is crazy. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then yeah. we get to, yeah, we get to this one where, like, you know, one thing I kind of gathered from the behind the scenes stuff and research that I was able to do. Um, shout out to our, our patrons for being able to, you know, for your support financially month in, month out. Uh, uh, we were able to get a Blu-ray set of um, the mummy movies and the Scorpion King more on that later. And it featured uh behind the scenes documentary footage, you know, your kind of basic studio commissioned behind the scenes, making a featurette kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And Steven Sommers appeared to be a very like energetic force and like running around infectious energy. And, you know, he had a love for ancient Egypt and that kind of like Western American, like you said, Scott, like I like what this looks like kind of way. Yeah. Um, and I think this movie is missing a lot of that Stephen Sommersy energy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have quite a bit more behind the scenes research compared to the Mummy Returns last week, so we have that going for us, which is nice. Um but before uh we get into like where we were when the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor first came out, um mm-hmm. have to do a bit of homework. So uh, as I alluded to last week, high off of my adventure with the Mummy Returns. I wanted to keep the party going. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, as I said, the box that came with the Scorpion King Blu-ray. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to check this out and do, do some extracurricular homework. 
Um, I had seen the Scorpion King kind of in chops and pieces on like HBO and Encore during the 2000s. But mm-hmm. I don't think I had ever sat down and watched it from beginning to end, like with intention, not like passively like, no, this is on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, first up, I do have to make a, a, a brief amendment to my uh, ongoing research series, Real Guy or Not. Uh, oh, yes. I was curious about this one. I know that the I know that the the uh, the series of statues are real. Yes. Although the Terracotta Warriors. Yeah, the Terracotta Warriors are real. But, oh, um, uh, actually, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is the most historically accurate mummy movie yet. Oh, um, OK. <laughs> but first, uh, Scorpion King. Actually kind of a real dude. Oh. Um, but like very much like in, in like with Imhotep in name only. Uh, there was a ruler in ancient Egypt known as Scorpion II. He was a ruler during the pro-dynastic period of upper Egypt, but very little is known about his real identity. Uh, his name and title are subjects of great dispute in the realm of Egyptology. Uh, his name was often introduced by a six or seven leafed golden rosette or flower sign. And that symbol can be found on objects throughout dynasty zero and dynasty one. But like very little is known about his name, what even the emblem of the scorpion meant because like, mm. That subject is kind of disputed among Egyptologists, uh, ranging from poison to illness to bad breath mm. to storm and attack. But uh, yeah, there was a ruler that we now know as Scorpion II. Uh, sc- scholars usually refer to him as uh, Scorpion King Scorpion II. Um, but like very like name only, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw the Scorpion King uh, directed by Chuck Russell. Director of The Mask with Jim Carrey. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, the 80s Blob remake. Oh, well, fun, uh, fun connection. The composer of this film, mm-hmm. um, whose name is escaping me, but I am oh, looking gosh, it up I have it right, right now. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the composer of this, uh, film, uh, this is by far the most notable film that he's, uh, composed. Um, Randy Edelman is his name. Yeah. Uh, but he also, he was the composer of triple X. Um, but also the composer of son of the mask. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. The mask coming out of nowhere. Um, so I know we had some, uh, uh, listeners that were excited about us talking about the Scorpion King. So just briefly, uh, I had a lot of fun with the Scorpion King. Um, it's a lot of fun. Kind of has weirdly that sort of kinetic energy that the mask had. Um, I remember thinking weirdly, if I did have a kid who was like between the ages of like eight and 12, you know? Uh, yeah. This is weirdly the mummy movie I would be the most comfortable with them watching. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's like a sword and sandals thing, right? It's absolutely. Not, yeah. It's okay. very like Conan the Barbarian, yeah. um, like, you know bloodless sword fights and people getting stabbed, but like, there's no like body horror. There's no bugs crawling into someone's skin or people getting their Mm. flesh shriveled up. And you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it was really cool going back 20 years and seeing, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the rock being just like my country, young, scrappy and hungry. Like this kind of like, I'm here, I'm ready to be in movies. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah, there's just like a likable charm to that movie. A great supporting turn by Michael Clark Duncan, 
Right. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. Great, you know, Ooh. great end credit song by Gobsmack. Uh, where does it? Movie. Where Where does it result? Does it result with him making the deal with Anubis? Or so, um, in the movie, he uh, the bad guy has like a witch, a, a, a sorceress on 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 his payroll and okay. the rock the scorpion king uh like goes in to kill her but they end up like having a meet cute and she's like i don't really like this dude at all like i'm actually trying to get out and like run away and he's like oh well run away with me and so they plot together to overthrow the evil king and um she has like there's a prophecy that if she lays with any but if she ever loses her virginity she'll lose her power as a prophecy and so uh her and the Scorpion King hook up, and oh. the king, the king's, the evil king's like, no, now your prophecies won't work. Shit, damn it! <laughs> and so, uh, but then, so they, they defeat the bad guy, the you know the evil overthrower guy, and then the, the Scorpion King becomes the new ruler. And Michael Clark Duncan's like, you better watch your back, though, you know, because like heavy is the head, and uh, the. <laughs> The empress, the, the the sorceress, the witch is like, yeah, you know, I had one last vision. Um, you're gonna you're gonna rule for a long time, and it'll be a time of great peace and prosperity. And the scorpion king's like, well, what after that? What happens after that? And she's like, well, you know, nothing lasts forever. And you know, everything kind of all 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 dynasties end eventually. And the scorpion king's like, fuck that, and then it ends. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay so it's sort of like alluded that eventually he is going to but it's sort of like han in, in fast and furious where he's like eh, we yeah. don't have to worry about that till later okay hmm interesting um, um story by steven a few few no, out sure. of there yeah. yeah oh and they did and they did <laughs> yeah uh story by steven not- sommers written by co-written by steven sommers oh, sorry what were you gonna say i was gonna say not with the rock though no for sure oh, hell no sure. not, not with yeah. the rock. i don't even know if it's like the same dude for each consecutive sequel. For all I know, they could get like a, a different Scorpion King every time. Um, wow. So, yeah. Um, but going into this, obviously, there is a significant time gap between The Mummy Returns and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Um, both both in the world of the movie and out of the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, yeah. more time. So, this trilogy weirdly takes place over the course of three decades. Yeah, because it's it's twenty. It, the first one starts in twenty seven. Yeah, um, most of it takes place in twenty nine, mm-hmm. and then it's thirty six. Is that I right? Think you're right. Yeah, and then Alex it's is eight. Yeah, and now it's forty seven. Mm-hmm. Post war, right? And they're like, let's just skip over that whole World War Two thing. I had no idea. That was crazy, Scott. Like you know, last week you were like, they should have made sequels. Well, they were like World War II spies or something. And they even allude to that in this one, that that's what happened. Yeah. But we don't yeah. get any of that. Um, no. So no, we do not. So during the even during the press for The Mummy Returns, um, and especially during the press for Van Helsing, uh, his, his film after this, Stephen Sommers was asked like, hey, Mummy 3, what's going on? You're going to make Mummy 3? And he was like, I am tired. <laughs> Um, so like, I don't think there was ever a point in time when he seemed very enthusiastic about making a third mummy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brendan Fraser was just like, Hey, fuck you, man. You're tired. You're tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. 
a surgery right after this. Uh, my back is dust. <laughs> oh, no. My spine, dust. Um, okay. But, yeah. So, there, so no activity for um, on a Mummy 3 for many, many years. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, in May of 2004, I found a quote from uh, something called Sci-Fi Wire. This is around the press tour of Van Helsing, where Stephen Somers was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm good. I don't know. I don't know what else I have to do. I, I don't know what else I have to say with those movies. Um, it's sad. He kind of is like, I kind of want to make a movie about just like two people on a beach talking. <laughs> and uh, he never did. He never got to make that movie. He made G.I. Joe and then Odd Thomas <laughs> and then nothing else. I was going to say, isn't that what G.I. Joe is about? Isn't yeah, just two like... people talking on a beach. <laughs> They're just on a, just Cobra Commander and uh, Duke. And what? Yeah, and Duke, yeah, just like talking on a beach together. What happened to us? How did we know, get? Is that, is that how, that's how uh, that's how he talks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not big on my. I always get him and Skeletor mixed up vocally. Yeah, and Starscream. I I, uh, I, I honestly yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they were like all voiced by the same the person. Same and that dude. was just like yeah. what he did. Hello, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Oh uh, Skeletor is kind of like, yeah, hey man, <laughs> yeah, see, uh, <laughs> but Universal was very keen on keeping this franchise train a roll, and Mummy Returns grossed uh, a little bit more than the Mummy on a budget of like around 90 95 million. It made like 413 million, um. It made it made it made four fifty two. Four fifty two. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we 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 talked about how it was like a perfect right. Layout. Of course, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, to to jump forward a little bit, Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor would also gross around four hundred million, but it would be significantly more expensive. More expensive. Mm-hmm. The final total for this was like one forty five. But yeah, so it, it cost fifty million more and made fifty million less. Wow. So still, still like not like it sound that sounds really bad, but it still made four hundred million. Yeah, on a hundred and fifty, like that's plenty. Like no, was, for sure, it's, it's a profitable movie. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. And yeah. but like you know, this came out the same summer as Iron Man and The Dark Knight came out like a month after The Dark Knight. Yeah, and and Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, of course. Yeah, of course, which was like yeah. the second highest grossing movie of that year, believe it or not, nerds. Right. Um. So Universal wanted to keep the gravy train a rolling. Joe Johnson was approached at one point. Oh, he would to... have been a much better choice. Yeah. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, our old friends, Alfred Go, the mm-hmm. the Smallville guys. Go and Miller. Yeah, Alfred Go and Miles Miller. Alfred Go and Miles Miller, who we even talked about a little bit during our Spider-Man minute. Yeah. Uh, background homework you know i didn't but you yep. and scott you you and zach did um, yeah 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 um for spider-man 2 they were hired to write a third mummy movie that uh would take place in china as opposed mm-hmm. to egypt found some interesting notes on early versions of go and miller's script uh i think that i found the most interesting is at one point during that prologue flashback that every mummy movie gets uh mm-hmm. emperor kin Shi huang played by jet Li. more on him a little bit later uh tasked Zi Yun, played by uh, Michelle Yeoh, with uh, finding the key to immortality and eternal life, just like in the movie that would eventually get made. But 
instead of going to a, a library, they would send Zi Yun and General Ming to Hamanoptera. Oh. Where, you know, the site of the first two movies, where they would excavate the Book of the Dead and create a terracotta copy of the Book of the Dead and bring that back to China. And that's the MacGuffin that Jet Li would use to try and get eternal life. I'm not going to lie. That kind of fucking rocks. I right? love that. Yeah. Like, yeah, Michelle Yeoh, like going back to Hamanoptera and like excavating it and then like seeing the tomb, but not opening it, you know? Yeah. Kind of reminds me of when you would see the Ark of the Covenant in Kingdom of the, of the Crystal Skull, but it's just like there, you know? Was it Was it just that like, did the math not check out? Like, did they figure out that ancient China was like before ancient Egypt or something or... Um, I have no evidence of that. I do have a kind of okay. a personal, just Evelyn like theory though. Okay. Um, so eventually, you know, Joe Johnson turns the movie down and Ugh. they, yeah, which is a bummer. Um, yeah. and they come to Rob Cohen in January of 2007. And, uh, I'm please. really glad though, that the studio and the producers like, it's not like they just were like, well, let's just get anybody. It doesn't matter. And they hired Rob Cohen. Like, they went for the best possible person for the job. Absolutely. And then, yeah. and he turned them down. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah. I guess a respect jo- to the studio from that angle. No, for sure. A Joe Johnston mummy movie would rule. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that was soup to nuts rule. And the thing that sucks is, like, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went and, and did the the Wolfman reshoots instead. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's all kind of connected. Um, Another universal monster movie. I, yes, he did, because that came out in 2010. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so. Because it was going to be directed by Mark Romanoff. Romanak. Right. And it was like half of it was. And then he right. was fired. And then they brought in Joe Johnson to like finish the movie and reshoot a lot of what Romanak shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, they approach Rob Cohen, who had just uh, was over at Sony developing a Sinbad movie that he was very, very keen on making. But unfortunately, the critical lambasting of stealth, as well as uh, financially underperforming during the summer of 05. Uh, uh, Rob Cohen took a hit in his reputation and the Sinbad movie that he was really passionate about making fell apart. Um, Mm. So then Universal approaches him with this mummy movie and he was like, hey, I think I can kind of channel a lot of my ideas and stuff that I was trying to do for the Sinbad movie into the mummy. And Mm -hmm. uh, much like Somers' sort of Western surface level obsession with ancient Egypt, Rob Cohen was big into like ancient Chinese history. I, I think Asian culture in general, right? Because he also yes. did, like, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. For sure, um, yeah. I and think just, he's just big, like, like likes martial arts movies and just, mm-hmm. like, really into that. Aesthetic. He's a weeb. He's a weeb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so my theory is, so, like, uh, I, I read a couple of, like, you know, just, like, press junkie interviews from 08 where Cohen was like, if this movie hadn't been set in China, I wouldn't have directed it. Mm-hmm. Like, that had everything to do with my, like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I love this aesthetic. I love this world. I love this time period. I, I I will do this. If it had been set in, like, Egypt again or Peru or South America, he probably wouldn't have made it. So that's my theory as to why the return to Hamanoptra stuff was cut. Oh. 
and instead a greater emphasis was put on the uh real life figure that jet Li is is playing uh kin Shi huang father of the kin dynasty and the first emperor of a unified china uh mm. So much like the prologue of the movie in history, Qin Shi Huang was uh, responsible for uniting the uh, different states of China. Uh, he and the self-invented title of emperor was his. It would end up being used by Chinese rulers for the next two millennia. By age 38, he had conquered the, uh, the warring states and unified China. Uh, the Terracotta army, also real. Obviously, that's a very famous thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and the Great Wall of China, even. Uh, yeah. Really, you know, because uh, those, were, those were separate walls and he was responsible responsible for uh, creating a giant bigger wall. Even his, even his fixation with immortality is somewhat based in historical fact. He has been known to send people off on quests to return with some form of, you know, elixir of life to try and live forever. Yeah. Okay. I, I I am uh, you know this is this 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 franchise is complicated because like our next episode has nothing to do with any of this this franchise yeah. that we've uh-huh. been in with Rick O'Connell <laughs> and crew mm-hmm. um so like I don't know if I'm gonna remember this when we get to the between episode sure uh because I feel like it's gonna be heavy uh, dark universe talk um, <laughs> yeah that's my guess um but uh. You know, you're talking about this like real historical figure obsessed with uh, immortality and like throughout history that has been true. I think Alexander the Great was like that. Um, uh, uh, Rasputin, right? Uh, uh, Hitler certainly was, right? Elon Musk. Anytime that there's like, what's that? Elon Musk. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, Anytime that there is a like conquering, like, empirical force mm-hmm. the leader of that genghis khan sure. the leader of that is always obsessed with immortality for the reason that you know han is in this movie mm-hmm. um of like i've accomplished so much but as soon as i die all of that goes away and my accomplishments mean accomplishments mean nothing because whoever takes my place is going to ruin it all right um right that's their feeling uh and i was just thinking about I, while you were talking, I was thinking about that, and specifically Rasputin. Mm-hmm. How fucking baller would a Rasputin mummy movie be? Absolutely, because like, fuck. There's a, I know, you know they're that... setting up. They're setting up um, uh, the the uh, the Incan, uh, like an Incan mummy at the end of this. Right. Yeah, it was going to be called like Tomb of the Aztec Emperor <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Banderas was going to play that right. mummy. That's right. I remember that. God, that fucking rules too. Yeah. But yeah, like <laughs> that's the that that is the problem. Like you could have even like done all these different culture sort of. Mu- I mean, to call the Dragon Emperor in this a mummy is a stretch. Um, right. And and much more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, extremely. Yeah. Big time stretch. But the idea of them going into mystical tombs. Yeah. Um, and that's what the franchise is, is a really cool idea if they had started that with the sequel instead yeah. of bringing back Emotep. And yeah, um, making a super derivative, like, here we go again, almost beat for beat. like Right. And right. so I think this movie makes, like, I love that this is a different aesthetic. I yeah. I really like the Shanghai, you know, post-World War II stuff. I even love, like, the mountain Himalayan stuff. 
It has yeah. everything to do with the execution for me. Right. Like totally. Totally. I'm not I'm not one of those fans that like, oh, they're not in Egypt. Like, no. Right. Like, it would have been even like, weirder if they just opened up Emotep's tomb again. Right. Like on the on a script level, like if you're just reading this script, you're like, oh, wow, there's like a real, lot of cool locations I haven't seen these characters in yet. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of that in the movie. But like it's just like Rob Cohen is. It very much feels like Rob Cohen is way more interested in Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh. I mean, rightfully so. Right. But like I think he's way more interested in them. Than sure. he is in Rick O'Connell and Evelyn and Alex. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to can't wait. Um, <clears throat> I I was just watching like behind the scenes stuff on the Blu-ray, and this is super snippy snip, like like me projecting maybe, but like uh-huh. they were directing some of the gunfight stuff, and Rob Cohen was kind of shouting at the at the action director, the second unit guy. He was like, "More, it's too clean. More like war footage. I want it more hectic and choppy." And Ugh. yeah, and I, I I think a lot of this action was like super mediocre at best for me. Um, yeah, definitely. And like, I think it's a crime that the Jet Li, Michelle Yeoh stuff looks as bad as it does because it's Jet Li yeah. versus Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That should be a, hey, just stick, stick three cameras up. Get out go. Of, and get out of their way. Like that's Let it ride. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's what it should be. <laughs> but it's not that. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if this came up in your research, but I did want to bring this up because I thought I, I always thought it was interesting about Jet Li as a uh-huh. guy, but also how he like prognosticated all of this, right. which is that like he he would never wanted to be scanned for like CGI and stuff because he was like, no, because I don't like the idea that a computer can recreate this guy, Jet Li. I, I don't like that it can recreate Jet Li without Jet Li being a part of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's like, and everyone was like, oh, Jet Li, like get over yourself, whatever. And now we're in 2023 where you're like, shit, he had a fucking oh, wow. point. <laughs> yeah. I, I just fell down a YouTube hole last night. Watching a really fun drill rap battle going on between AI Mr. Krabs and AI Plankton, and oh, uh, no. it's it's fucking incredible. It's amazing. Like I've it's I was so hyped, but also it's like wow, this that's not Clancy Brown. That's an AI. Um, Yikes! <laughs> love it. I mean, um, I, <laughs> <sorry>. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so boy. not so also. Um, you know, big point of contention. This movie does not star Rachel Weiss. We kind of covered this last episode, but uh, she had problems with the script. She was sort of like hemming and hawing. She like wasn't really into the idea of coming back and she just given birth to her son. And so there's like multiple reasons why she ended up not coming back. And um, so I found this uh, quote from Rob Cohen where he was like, well, who else is pretty? Maria Bello. I Look. I I have I have not a negative thing to say about Maria Bello. I hate this, that this movie this... makes me dislike Maria Bello. Right. Like I I don't have a negative thing to say about Maria Bello. I think that she's fucking doing her best in this mm. movie, but holy shit, has there ever been someone more miscast than Maria Bello as as ever. Like Jesus Christ! Just get 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 uh uh what's her name uh was just in Van Helsing and in, in Underworld. Okay, back in sale. Yeah, yeah. Just get fucking keep back in sale. What's so hard about that? Like you just I, like with her. get somebody who's actually British. Number one, that would be good. 
Um, yeah. Because there's something so – there's a moment where she tells them to quit boys, faffing about. quit faffing about, boys. And I'm like, this is, that is the least genuine thing I've ever heard come out of anyone's mouth. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was uh it's it rough, it, it's rough and, and and God bless her. I love Maria Bello to death. I really do. But like zero chemistry with Brendan Fraser. Just nothing. Um and she's trying her best. God help her, but like man, she should not have signed on for this. There there had to have been another option somewhere that she could have gotten her big shot in a blockbuster movie if she would have just waited. Yeah. No, for sure. Like I mean, I associate her probably the most with like history of violence. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for smoking. I think she's great in. Um, I, I I associate her most with the Cooler, starring ooh, William H Macy. It's a sexy um, movie. Yeah, <laughs> William H Macy, sex god. Yeah, in that um, movie anyway. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Australia's own Luke Ford was cast as Alex O'Connell, who we'll get to throughout Wait, the movie. Wait, what was he from? What was he uh, from? He's from the land of Australia. I think yeah. this is his biggest movie. Um, okay. He he was see. he's he is one of those one of those uh, actors who, uh, especially in this era, there was a lot of there was a lot of guys that Hollywood was trying to make a guy. Yeah. And he was one of them. And he was one of them. Like, oh, well, let's get, let's try and get this guy to be a guy. Um, He's a guy. And, and it never, it never worked out. Uh, Sam, Sam Worthington, Garrett Hedlund, this guy. Yeah. I think all of, I think, but I think those two guys would have been, um, I'm obsessed with one of my favorite sounds in movies, somewhat ironically, is the Australian trying to sound American. Mm. But that's the thing. He's supposed to be British. So that's a, okay. So that's an, okay. Again, I couldn't find any proof of this. So in Mummy Returns, Alex was kind of like a little, kind of little nerdy. He was like 70 30 Evelyn Rick. Right. He had like a little bit of that Rick. I'm going to slingshot a bad guy in the butt. But yeah, he was mostly a little fancy boy in like yeah. cargo shorts. And it was like, oh, books and things. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a British school schoolboy. I'm a little um, schoolboy. Oh, mummies. And reading material. Reading material. And then everyone, including me, was like, fuck this kid. He ruined the franchise. He's a little he's a little fucking Brit- British fancy boy. I hate fancy <laughs> boys. <laughs> There's nothing I hate more than fancy, fancy. boys. <laughs> and so I think Universal was like, okay, message received. No fancy boys. Yeah. So we need to age this dude up and we need to make him a shit kicking sunglasses in the middle of the Himalayas wearing gun toting. Hey, dad, you know, I like guns and so I've lain with a lot of women, mom. You don't know how many babes I've 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 laid with. This guy was the biggest fucking dork I've ever seen in a movie. For sure. So so none of that fucking works. And it's yes. entirely because of the guy they cast. Yes. Yeah. Do you want me to blow your fucking mind? Because I figured out who they should have cast Please. in 2008, yes. who exactly they should have cast and who would have wrecked this part and taken over the franchise, I bet, from Brendan Fraser yeah. completely successfully. Which is 2008 yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Wow. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Like right before Star Trek. This came out the year before Star Trek. Right. And But it came out. 
the year after he shot Cabin in the Woods. Right. So that era. That era, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. That totally would have, because like you, the movie is screaming at you that that's what it wants you to feel. Like, yes. That scene where him and Rick are like going over guns and he's like, you know, and it's all about dicks. It's so hacky. But like, yeah. But yeah, Hemsworth would have sold that. Like, yeah, well, he would have sold I, what you mentioned as like kind of the cringiest moment yeah. with Alex mm-hmm. is the bit where he says, like, I've laid with a lot of women and and Maria Bello's like, uh, how many? Like, well, she's like, oh, I know I'd rather not talk about it. like that. Yeah, a whole <laughs> like bunch, that, I can tell you that. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth doing that works. And Chris Hemsworth makes sense to me as the son of Rick O'Connell and Evelyn. Like, Combining them into a single person, you like Chris Hemsworth makes sense to me. And I think we all know, know this now. Chris Hemsworth can sell an English accent a lot better than an American accent. Yes. I think yes. Thor is kind of basically British accent. Yeah. Um, at least Thor one. I think he kind of gets more Australian. Would you, would you, but I think you get the if you have that aesthetic that like, no, I'm cool now. I'm not that little fancy boy. But he still kind of has that British accent that he has in Thor. Yeah, it's perfect. Cause like, why did he lose his accent? It sounds like he's like, oh, I thought it'd been really, really funny if at one point when, cause like Rick gets shot, mm-hmm. and he's like, he looks like he's about to die. Like, no, daddy, no, don't die, daddy, I miss you. Like, he'd be like faking the whole time. I just wanted to be <laughs> yeah. cool for you, daddy. But it's like, I'm still the little fancy boy. But I don't think the movie's self-aware enough for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny. But that, and but that's another part of of Chris Hemsworth is that. He is our modern day Brendan Fraser because he can be big, dumb, hot guy, but also can be like action guy with like, you know, a little a little wink, you know, yeah, for sure. Um, That's he's like the perfect like prototype to be Brendan Fraser's son in this. And this kid, this fucking guy is not a guy. He sucks. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean not 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 to not to yeah, not to gang up on one dude, but yeah, just like every every moment where he's trying to be a cool like Indiana Jones kind of guy was just so cringy. Yeah. And also like okay. Uh all right. We we got to get into the plot, but I I'm no, gonna, sure. I'm just going to sure. point this out now because Please. it's 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 worth pointing out. So he has this love story with uh, Michelle Yeoh's daughter in the uh-huh. movie, who is a Chinese ninja for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Which... Uh, her um, name is Lynn. 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 Yeah. Played by Isabella Leong. So, so when he gets into the, to the emperor's tomb, she attacks cause she's like protecting the tomb to make sure nobody wakes his ass up. Right. So she attacks him and almost kills him. And then later, uh, when when uh Rick and Evelyn get betrayed, um by uh by by Alex's like boss or whatever, yeah. Um, Lynn is up in the rafters of the room watching them be betrayed, and mm-hmm. Alex wanders in and he's like, "Hey, didn't you try to kill me?" And he's suddenly being super flirty, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" whoa. <laughs> you're you're all of a sudden you're acting like you're you're Indiana Jones or fucking Han Solo. 
Like, where was this energy in the fight with her earlier? Like, there were just so many opportunities. He, like, pulls her mask off and sees how beautiful she is. He could have immediately, like, started hitting on her. Yeah, and that would have yeah. been, like, a really fun element to add to the scene of her being frustrated by this guy hitting on her while she's trying to kill him. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there's something that could have been fun there, but none of that is in the in that scene. And so his, like, flirtatious vibe with her comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. No, it's so random. And then, like, the part where all of a sudden he's like, hey, what's up? I'm, like, like, like feeling her up. He's like, I'm 2,000 years old. And he's like, oh, I don't care. Like, where, where, like, what is the, it's just, yeah, it just, yeah, it comes out of nowhere. It's so random. Uh, and also, like, he says shit like, it's just so, it's so frustrating. Like, the <laughs> script is not great. And, 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 uh, you know, especially the dialogue, but Go and Miller have never been great at dialogue. They're not dialogue sure. writers. Yeah. Um their best movies have always starred comedians because the comedians improv. So like perfect example, like Shanghai nights and Shanghai noon was theirs. And those are like solid movies, but it's because like Owen Wilson, like improvs over their fucking dumb dialogue. Um, (laughs) But like a lot of this, I was like, Oh yeah, this is the Smallville writers for sure. Mm, Definitely. Um, But, but uh, so, so there's that bit where, where she, where he says like, well, I don't, I don't mind an older woman, you know, like that's, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, if that was Chris Hemsworth, like Chris Hemsworth would just be like, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time I've been with an older woman. Like, yeah, yeah. Make it a little sexier. Make it a like, you know, not like he's just so like saying it that way isn't like sexy or, or like, like, ooh, like alluring. Like, oh, I don't mind dating an older woman. And it's just like, no, you sound like a little kid who's just like, please, ma'am, let me have yeah. sex with you. Um, instead of being like, I mean, you know, I've seduced older women before. That's right, way yeah. sexier. And That's buy way it. sexier. <laughs> yeah, I just never bought the And, he, you know, he's like a totally conventionally attractive, handsome Hollywood dude. But, like, yeah. every time he had a line like that, I just, like, I just couldn't. I got more of the vibe that this is a guy trying to convince everyone that he has had sex before in his life. Totally. Abs- that's that's absolutely the problem is that like, yeah, that is I don't believe for a second that he has had sex with anyone. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. How does that happen? How do you go from that to but, that? But then they don't but they don't even play that up. So like because I think they want you to think that he has had lots of sex, but yeah, it's very obvious to me that it seems like he has not. Um, his first, his first like line of dialogue is like when they're excavating the tomb, and the guy Wilson or Roger is like, "You really, like, you really are Rick O'Connell's son." <laughs> yes. Exposition, exposition. You are the son of Rick O'Connell, and he's <laughs> like, after this they're going to call him Alex O'Connell's dad. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> And also, your mother is Evelyn O'Connell. They are both your parents. <laughs> they laid together and they had you. Of course. <laughs> you look younger 10 years ago, but this is how you look now. <laughs> yes, all of those things are correct. Come, let's go to the tomb. No. Yeah, um, so- that is like literally how the dia- a lot of the dialogue in this movie feels. Yeah, we're, um, we're, not, we're, not, yeah. we're not embellishing that much. No. Um, okay, so getting back into a proper a sure. proper walkthrough. Sure. Uh, the opening of this movie is that you have 
the Dragon Emperor, played by Jet Li. Mm-hmm. And he's conquering shit across China. He's a real asshole. This felt like... So, so okay, so he's a real asshole. He starts... He's like, I'm going to lose all this because eventually I'm going to die. I need to yeah. be immortal. And so he's like, let's go find a fucking sorcerer. And they find Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh's like, what up? I'm a sorcerer. Uh, uh, I'll, he, I'll, I'll, she has... Yeah. His, his, his best friend... And like closest ally is a guy named General Ming. Yes. And Ming falls in love with Zi Yun, played by right. Michelle Yeoh. He Yo. sends them together to go get this book that he needs to like yes. have the immortality or whatever. And they mm-hmm. fall in love on this trip um, and have an affair. <laughs> and they're seen by one of his loyal soldiers um, who tattletales. And then uh, she. Um, Reads from the book to give him the immortality. He doesn't know that she's actually cursed him it's and Sanskrit. his army. Right. But then she, he walks her out to a balcony and he's like, hey, you be my wife or uh, your buddy, uh, this general, you're the love of your life. He's tied up to these horses and we're going to draw and quarter him right in front of you if you don't agree to be my queen. And she's like, fuck you. You're going to do this anyway. And he's like, yeah, you right. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then draws and corners him, and then he stabs her, and then she's like, "LOL, you're cursed. Look at look at the oh, that's mud yeah, he, in your he, eye." He starts like crying. Yeah, he's mud in your eye. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. And then he becomes uh, a terracotta figure, and like his his army is terracotta. Um, but uh, a detail that I kind of was like, "That's a cool. That's a cool touch." Is uh, during the narration, the narrator says that like anyone who like resisted him or the workers that were building the great wall of China, whenever they would work themselves to death after they would die, he, they would just bury them and work over their bodies as they were like buried alive. And that's the army that is later come to life to fight against the terracotta army. Yeah. The, the slaves that built the, the, um, uh, yeah, the wall, the great wall of China. Um, so, the thing about this cold open that I thought was interesting, yeah, um, is that uh, it is essentially all of the parts of the original Mummy prologue, mm-hmm. except Emotep is not the, the not the lead, is not the like the the main villain of it. Emotep is this general guy who seems right. like you know he's still working for this dragon emperor, so he's not he's not a prince, but but he is now he's, the cucky. In this, yes. in this series, as opposed to the one who cucks. Right. So this is the guy. This is, this is you know, the dragon emperor is the pharaoh. So this is like, what mm-hmm. if the pharaoh was uh, an evil ruler, asshole? And that's all shit that we talked about when we talked about the first mummy. <laughs> right. So yeah. I just thought it was interesting that yeah. it was like... In real time, they were like, "Yeah, let's see what that what that what would a, that scenario would be like." Yeah, um, instead of like the pharaoh being just like a normal dude, he yeah. was actually like a megalomaniacal like psychopath, and right. So in some ways, he's even less sympathetic than Imhotep because there's no like Harley Quinn, Joker, Bonnie and right. Clyde kind of dark love story to it. He's just like he's an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, he's it's, it's he just he's an he's a conquering asshole obsessed with his own legacy. Yeah. Um and and maintaining it and continuing it uh for eternity. Which I'm not going to knock a movie for I don't want to knock it for not being derivative, but like mm-hmm. Jet Li, you know, I mean Romeo must die, you know. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. know that he could it's it, it's a shame they couldn't find a way to add some of that romance to to to, to the Dragon Emperor that I think 
made Imhotep a kind of a more memorable. It's interesting that he's like played by a much bigger star in this one, the mummy, but much yeah. less memorable. Well, here's 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 the issue that I think I think this is what the problem is. I think I I, I mean I'm like just rewriting the movie uh sale sure. yeah, at this point. Yeah. But instead of uh maybe instead of like being drawn and quartered, maybe he's like killed in some other way. But like the idea being that Jet Lee plays the general guy. Ooh. Michelle Yeoh plays Michelle Yeoh. Of course. And and the Dragon Emperor is like uh, some other guy. Um some other Chinese star. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and um like maybe a little older than Jet Lee might be cool. Um I don't know. <laughs> Get like an older guy. <laughs> sure. A little more yeah. of a ha- to have a little more uh uh presence, I guess, cuz that's my problem. Is like I don't think Jet Lee has a lot of presence. In a role like that. Well, they're not playing, yeah, they're not playing to any of his strengths. Of, right. He's like, not he's, known for being like, he's not known for being like noble. Like having imposing, like, yeah, with armor. Yeah, on an imposing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, so you have, you have him be that, the general guy. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh, you cast another uh, yeah. older uh, Chinese actor as the he, emperor. Chow Yun And what you, and yeah, oh yeah, p- great, perfect. Um, so, but then what you do is, um, you make it so that she uh uh like creates the, the, some sort of thing some sort of curse which brings him back to life but they have to be as far away from each other as possible mm. so they're both immortal and alive on the planet but they can't ever be together right as soon as they're as soon as they're in the same place again it'll undo all of it yeah, it'll undo all of it, including waking the emperor up. Yeah, so they're right? destined to always be apart. Always be apart, so that when you get to the end and they both die, it's a happy death because yeah. they're going to be reunited for the first time. Absolutely, that's great. Oh, it kind of gives you like more of an Ardeth Bay kind of dude. Like, totally. Ex- yes, exactly. So. And I know that she's technically playing that role in this. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, and but then that's really interesting too because then you have you have her and that gives her something more to do than this stupid love story with Alex where she's the one she's the only one who can go between them. Right. Yeah, the daughter. She can Lynn. be with her mother and she can go and see her father on the other side of the world, you know. Yeah, kind of like how's your mom doing? Oh, she misses you yeah. a whole whole lot. Like, ah, oh, I miss her too. Yeah, right. She's yeah. Michelle Yeoh. I there's there, like there's there'd be so much juice there and that's way more interesting and then you get like Jet Li like helping out the O'Connells like in Shanghai you know in that sequence yeah because um, he's great I mean like he's even really good in the Expendables that he's in I think it's three like yeah because but you want him as like that wily kind of like impish like force you know kind of yeah. like a more nimble kind of cool dude he's not yeah you don't want to see him like in armor being all stoic and mean and glowering yeah like what if um what if he was like working for jonathan at his shanghai bar oh that'd be great like living as like a quiet life and it's like whoa my bar hand is like a warrior that's crazy you know and he's yeah. like, shut up god i <laughs> fucking hate working for you yeah <laughs> that's so that's so much more fun um yeah. than than jet lee as the dragon emperor which is like boring yeah. Like he doesn't get to do anything really. It's not it's not fun or interesting. Um and I do think that Chow Young Fat would have he would find more juice in that role. 
I yeah. think, than Jet Li would. Because, it, like you said, it's just not playing to Jet Li's strengths, where it does totally play to Chow Young-Fat's strengths. Yeah, or uh, or Ken Watanabe. Oh, yeah, even better. Ken Watanabe. Well, right. Ken Watanabe's Japanese, right? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, because he, he was yeah. Ray Shao Ghoul. I think that's like what popped into my head first. Right. Like, yeah, but Chow Yun-Fat was the Pirate King in yeah. At World's End. Right, which was just the year before this. So it feels piratey, right? It feels it like that's piracy. a little bit what they're chasing. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. This is the first post-Pirates Mummy movie. And yeah, post we, the entire like we didn't even know that we were ever getting another Pirates movie, right? At this point, that's interesting. And you know, we we, we brought up Pirates a lot during our first Mummy episode. Yeah. Um. And but yeah, this is that's interesting. Uh, yeah, this missing just a this lot also of those... looks a lot like At World's End. It has like a Gore Verbinski sort of look to yeah. all the Asian oh. culture stuff in At World's End looks identical yeah. to the Asian culture stuff in this that where it's like it's not as like brightly colored as you're used to seeing Chinese culture stuff like with lots of reds and and yeah. and bright you know bright colors it's all like dingy black muddy. and yeah. muddy yeah which is very much what At World's End's Asian stuff looked like uh Gore Verbinski also would have made a really interesting mummy movie fucking expensive as hell mummy movie. absolutely that's for yeah. goddamn sure we're in like 300 million dollar mummy movie why is we have to have real mummies real yeah <laughs> and a and a huge giant drag spider and he's gonna be yeah made of sand and water together <laughs> yeah going at once <laughs> uh so we cut to the 40s uh brandon frazier rick o'connell is fly fishing um and then he's like that that is uh that's the most I've winced watching oh when the thing goes into of his these neck? movies yeah when that when that hook goes into his neck that is uh horrifying that was I was not expecting that and it, <laughs> I was like go oh, god <laughs> jesus <laughs> and yeah. I just think a lot of you know and I'm not you know I'm not going to say the mummy returns I, I think the mummy was definitely like the wittiest you know clever most clever of the movies and yeah. I think the Mummy Returns was relying a little bit more on like the screwball, like, oh, I hate mummies, you know. But like, yeah, this is like now fully, like, there's not a clever joke in this whole movie. No, no, and in fact, a lot of them don't make any sense. Yeah, we'll like, get into lo- it. Uh, yeah, there, like, uh, yeah, there's that joke later when Michelle Yeoh for some reason is calling the 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 dead army raising mm-hmm. the dead army and she's speaking English. Yeah. Which I'm like, why the fuck is this happening? And then the dead army go out and they are about to attack Brendan Frazier and he's talking to them. And, and she, and Evelyn is like, I don't think they understand English. And I'm like, the fuck they don't. They were just raised from the dead. Apparently from the they show, do. Yo, speaking English. So like, it just doesn't make any sense. And also it's a racist joke. I had a weird, crazy. I had a weird, like, brain because like it, it's intercut that moment is intercut with jet lee having giving his like i'm gonna you know we will rule with no compassion we will no right. freedom and he's speaking, but he's speaking in chinese yeah and so i'm like why is the good guy speaking in english and i'm like is this and like i think it was Whoa. mostly for like you know that kind of infantilization of american audiences where like we can't have two sets of subtitles going on at once so like god forbid make the good guy speak english and so i just yeah i found that kind of gross um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves again. Uh, <laughs> so basically, I guess like the theme, you know, to give this movie some credit, 
the arc that Rick and Evelyn are go- going on in this movie is they have kind of forced themselves into retirement. Early retirement because of everything they went through during World War II. Yeah. They the went cool. on a lot of unseen adventures. Really cool, crazy Just a adventure. shitload. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're both, they both feel tired. Evelyn uh, writes books now. She wrote a book about the mummy and the mummy returns. Um, yeah, a, she- a, apparently exclusively for women because they're the only people at her book signing. Yeah. Book like reading. The, uh, I thought it was really funny how like as soon as she's done reading, a woman just stands up and goes, are these based on you? And yeah. Um, <laughs> It's not even like, okay, we will now ask questions from the readers, you know? Um, yeah. And then we, we, are, we already talked about this with Andrew last week, but we get the, the joke of like, it honestly feels like it happened to a different person, which I guess the implications are that this is the real Evelyn and yeah. the Evelyn that we met in the last two movies were like the heightened romantic uh, like book adaptation of, the, of Evelyn, yeah. yeah, which is kind of a bummer if you think about it. It's extremely a bummer, especially because you're like, oh, so in reality, Evelyn and and Rick have no chemistry. That sucks. (laughs) And you imagined yourself as Rachel Weiss. Yeah, she was dreaming up all of the amazing chemistry they could have had, but never did. What Um, if we had chemistry? Also, not for nothing, but like this whole sequence of them in their house sucks because I'm like. God, they're just fucking rich. Like, they're just (laughs) filthy, fucking loaded, fucking rich. They're so rich. They have a a a whole service staff. Yeah. Like Downton Abbey. And he he gives them the fucking trout, and then they, like, fucking leave the bullets in the trout. Yeah, there's something kind of almost like like Mrs. Haversham, like Dickensian. It's kind of sad. Like, it's like they live in yeah. this old life. And maybe that's the point because, like, yeah, they, they've let Alex become estranged from them. Um, yeah. And it's like, this isn't the life they want. They both kind of want to be adventurers, but for some reason, they are convinced the other one will be disappointed by, the, like, the want to return to adventure. Uh, it's just kind of a bummer to see like sexless, like Evie and Rick. Like, yeah, like very much the, so. There's the joke of like, hey, uh, I have I have writer. You know, she's like, oh, I have writer's block. They want a third mummy movie, or I mean, mummy mummy book. And yeah, I don't want to do it. And Rick's like, well, why don't and, I and, and I'm like, oh, and I'm sorry, but like the thing that I'm frustrated about with that more than anything is just like you, you don't have writer's block. You just don't have a real thing that happened to you to base the third book on. Yeah. There's no, there is no third mummy adventure you've been on. That's your, that's right. That's the problem. (laughs) Write a book about your world war two adventures. If those were so fucking interesting, write a new series, start a new series about those. Yeah. But don't say that you're, you're, you have writer's block. Cause that's not what this is. That's not how writer's block works. We'll just write about the time that we went to, to South America and fought Antonio Banderas. Oh, that one was boring. <laughs> so frustrating. That one sucked. <laughs> uh, and we cut back to Alex and we already basically covered it, but yeah, like they, they uncover the dragon emperor's tomb, uh, all of the, the Chinese. Uh, workers die, but not the one out of shape, portly, fifty-something British guy. Him and Alex yeah. make it out. Um, yeah. We meet That's Lynn. in both in both Dragon Emperor and Crystal Skull. Like an old friend of the family, like betrays <laughs> the hero. That's true. 
That's because funny. he's secretly working for the for oh, the I'm a double agent. Uh, yeah, I want I want to get to the I want to get to. He had no reason to to reveal himself the way that he did later on. No. Uh, I guess it also doesn't make any sense for Mac either. Um, no, oh, no. Mac. In both cases, it doesn't really make any sense. But <laughs> you know. What are you, you, you going to do? It's just like, yeah, yeah, I guess this is what happens now. I don't know. Uh, spoilers for Dial of Destiny, I guess. But like, I did appreciate how there was like minimal double crossing in that movie. Yes. It was kind of kind of fun. I agree. Um, so Avlin and Rick are, are given a, an opportunity at a new adventure. Um, the British government is like, hey, we stole this Eye of Shangri-La artifact. And you know, we're, we're <laughs> he was like, yeah, we should we should return this to uh, as a as a sign of uh, goodwill of, uh, goodwill toward the Chinese uh, government. We're going to return this to to China, and we want you guys to to do it. And when this happened, Bethany was like, "That's the least believable thing that's happened in this entire yeah. series <laughs> so <Yeah>. far." <laughs> Oh, this is this the, the, the British government returning a valuable item back to the culture it belongs to, which is like, why this one? Like, why is <laughs> right. this the one that is like, you know what? It's kind of fucked that we have this. Yeah. Anyway. And <laughs> just like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, the no, the, the lack of chemistry, the kind of bad, really thick back and forth between oh my god the part where uh before this where evelyn's like oh rick remember that one time when i was tied down to that slab and you rescued oh me? i hated that <laughs> that i was like crawling out of my skin when that was happening and then he's like um, snoring and he's like oh rats not getting any you know dick what the tonight <laughs> you know what the other fucking problem <laughs> with sure. maria bello is mm-hmm. i do not for a second believe that she was ever a librarian. Mm, yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have that vibe. She just doesn't have that vibe at all. Romance novelist, sure. Librarian? Yeah. No. 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 No way. It's it's difficult. You can't really verbalize it, but no, you just can't. Rachel Weiss had that magical quality of you could picture her being a oh, you saw her being a librarian and you believed it. And yeah. Then, like, it was fun to see her being like, oh, no, I'm on an adventure, you know? Yeah, because there's something, there's something sort of mousy about her. Yeah. Um, she has yeah, that ability. You, you need that little bit of mousy energy um, in order to pull that off. So I take back what I said about Kate Beckinsale. I don't think she would work either. Mm-hmm. Um, she's more of a one-to-one with Maria Bello, except right. that she's really British. Same problem. But. Yeah, um, very similar problem. No, um, it's um, oh shit! What is her name? She was in. She was the actress playing Sydney in Scream Three. Emily Mortimer. Oh, Emily, Emily Mortimer. Mortimer. Yeah, that's e- great. Fucking Emily Mortimer would be hell perfect. yeah, yeah. Mac perfect. from the newsroom. Yeah, an absolute perfect one to one from perfect. Rachel Vice to Emily Mortimer. Perfect. Yeah, and like yeah. As far as the age thing, I don't buy them at the age. They're whatever age they're supposed to be in the movie. It doesn't work. No, no, not at all. I just accept, like, um, okay, I guess they're both supposed to be in their 50s, but they're not. Um, yeah. Uh, the only thing that helps is that Brendan Fraser, unfortunately, moves like he's in his 50s. Yeah. Um, you can hear the bones. Shash, yeah, right. With every, yeah. Um, oh, boy. And he so it like- works from that perspective. But, um, yeah. Maria Bello, uh, under no circumstances do I buy her as like pushing fifty. 
the son, the mom of of this like adult son. Yeah, um, unless she was supposed to be like fucking nineteen in the first Mummy. Which, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser yeah. looks right. Ex- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brendan Fraser looks yeah. exhausted in this movie. Oh, he does. He does. He looks like he signed on for this movie, showed up to set, and was like, "Oh fuck, what? Why? Oh, Why did I God. do this? God damn it! What? I just got out of surgery." <laughs> <laughs> why why the fuck did I do this? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so uh oh and then uh and then Evelyn's like, oh Jonathan's in Shanghai. He has that 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 club we could use as a, as an excuse because they both want to go on the adventure. They both miss yeah. the adventuring life, which is kind of almost derivative of what was going on in the second one, but they just in the second one they were thinking about retiring. Or Rick was like, I kind of want to retire, and Evelyn's like, Oh, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, so. I didn't really understand that at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, in in Mommy Returns, because I'm like, Fair you're enough. you're like fucking 35. Why like, you what retire already? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> this is your. What have you been? Anyway, but I, I will say I did really like their try hard retirement energy. Right. Yeah. In where where they're like oh, trying to overachieve being retired at the right. beginning of this. Yeah, like they're at the like, dinner. Yeah, no, we're really going for it. We're really going for retirement energy, and it's just not working. Yeah, <laughs> like at the dinner where Evelyn's like, isn't this blissful? How we're sitting down, eating dinner every night. <laughs> and doing absolutely nothing else. Yeah. This horrid fish. This trout. <laughs> with a bullet in it. Uh, um, so they go to Shanghai. Jonathan owns a, a club called Imhotep's, which uh, it's a cool set. Yeah, it is a cool set, but it, it does. It reminds me a lot of um, Club, club Obi Wan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's even like um, the same this, font. Yeah, this whole this whole uh, section of the movie feels very like Temple of Doom inspired, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, John Hanna, to his credit, um, given no funny lines, but still like an affable presence. Yes. Um, I do think that multi- throughout the movie, there are multiple times where he has an ADR line to explain why he's not going to be in the next scene. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, they block scheduled him. Either that or he was shooting another <laughs> thing simultaneously. I'll be here. Um, yeah. Oh, I've had enough mummies. I'll stay in the car. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, um also oh, God. We, God, please, please. you know, we talked about their chemistry in, in the Mummy Returns. Yeah. Um, Jonathan and Alex. Yeah. I don't think they ever even interacted this movie. They do. Uh, oh, just... right, with the with where he oh, almost uh, go, goes with the the sex worker, yeah. and he's like trying to stop him from going with the sex worker without just saying like, "Yeah, she's she's a sex worker. You don't you don't want to do that." He's that's, the line. So yeah, that's uh, not your uh, vibe. <laughs> Alex sees yeah, sees a sex worker, and he's like, "Oh, humana, humana," and John, and then uh, Jonathan's like, "Look, um, that's a tomb that many people have excavated. If you catch, if you catch my, my meaning, if you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean." And Alex is like, oh, I don't care. I've had sex bunches of times. And <laughs> then he, he goes off and then uh, gets in a fight with Davos Seaworth himself, Liam yeah. McIntyre. 
as yeah. uh, Mad Dog McIntyre or M- Mad Dog McGuire. Right, right. Uh, because I, Rick um, only knows pilots. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> at this point, it's just a running gag, and it's kind of fun. At no, this I love point, it. yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's just constantly reuniting with pilots. I feel like if I was Rick, Con- Rick O'Connell, every time I reunited with a pilot, I'd be like, "Fuck, is there a mummy somewhere?" Oh no, like, no, wait, it's all oh, happening no. again. Not you. <laughs> I haven't flown uh, since the war ended. Oh fuck no! Oh no! <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like like Jonathan and Alex, they don't have like a thing anymore. No, because Alex is such like a he's like obsessed with everyone thinking that he's cool, and yeah. so like yeah, they don't have that like uncle nephew energy anymore. He's just kind of like barrels through everybody. And I think the movie is so concerned with making sure that Alex looks cool and isn't lame and annoying like that fucking kid, right? (laughs) That (laughs) I don't, I don't feel that adamant about about the kid in the Mummy Returns, but I'm like, that's how audiences felt, and that's yeah, that's what they're, They're, that's what they're projecting in this movie for sure. But um, the thing that they could have done, right, instead of him being like. Oh, I just, you know, stop talking to that girl because, like, uh, tombs, excavation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she's got a um, venereal disease. Yeah, instead of that, if if Jonathan just, like, waltzed over and just embarrassed the shit out of him. Oh, cool, yeah. And, like, that was the vibe of, like, he would just come over and just fucking just take him out at the knees. Oh, do you remember that time when you got stung by that bee on, on your dick? Or like, <laughs> and you just screamed like you screamed a higher pitched scream than your mother. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Be like, yeah. I, that's that's something. That's like you know, yeah. oh, I've I've known you since you were a little fancy boy. What happened to your accent? That's like an easy <laughs> joke, right? Just like giving him a fucking hard time, just giving him the business and putting him in his place like continuously. Yeah, because like the movie, and then yeah. uh, and then you could have had a moment where he comes he comes walking up to Alex and and uh, Lynn toward mm-hmm. the end of the movie, like when they're dancing together in the at the club. Yeah, right? for sure. He comes walking up to him, and you think like, oh, here he comes. He's gonna fucking do the thing again. And instead, he says something really nice about him. Yeah, like you know, you're you know, your 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 dad would be proud. In this version, he died. Yeah. Well, yeah. Say, well, says it says it to Lynn, like something really nice and not yeah. embarrassing at all. I've never seen him like, be this happy before. Or like yeah, or something. Cut. Just something that's like really nice. And then he's well, like, he's like, you. That was really nice. And he was like, yeah. Well, I didn't think you should be with any of those other girls. Yeah, yeah. He's like, welcome so, to the family, just Lynn. Really nice. Just a little running, a little runner that ends on like a nice, like familial beat. You know? Yeah. Uh, I want to get your opinion on the final beat this movie actually does have. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, we'll get to it. So Rick and yeah. Evelyn come by. So just to say something nice about Maria Bello, uh, at one point mm. during the behind the scenes stuff, during like a gunfight, you, you see Rob Cohen behind the camera being like, oh, you look like Catherine Hepburn in a gunfight. And like, yeah, she does. And she... <laughs> that's just not Evelyn's energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't think it's Evelyn's energy at all. But like independently, Especially during that that walk into the nightclub, she does have that cool like forties, you know, like uh, uh, Lauren Bacall, Catherine Hepburn kind of energy. Yeah, um, and I fucking she, love Brandon Fraser in a fucking suit and a hat and a yeah, coat. that was the stuff. I was like, God damn, that still, is great. He still got it. <laughs> yeah, he's on a uh, lot of Valium right juice. now. 
but he still got the juice. <laughs> he's on the juice, but he's still got it. <laughs> uh, so he meets Mad Dog, and Mad Dog's like, he was trying to have sex with my girlfriend. And he's like, all right, come on, let me buy you a drink or whatever. And then just the kind of the hackiest, like, the, the hackiest move you can make is for the adult son to be like, quit babying me. Mom, I'm a grown up. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown up. Yeah. It's, yeah, embarrassing. Uh, so then they all pile in to Jonathan's car and, right. and go to like the fucking garage where, where the garage warehouse where, where uh, Alex is keeping uh, the army that he excavated, right. um, yeah. including uh, the emperor. And then this is where they get betrayed. Right. We meet uh, General Yang and his like second in command, Colonel Choi. She was cool. She had a cool look. She had that scar. She did. I I absolutely thought she was uh, the actress who played Lady Deathstrike in X2. Oh, yeah. Kelly Hugh. Kelly Hugh. I thought this was I thought it was Kelly Hugh, like the whole movie. Sure. And then the credits rolled. And I'm like. Oh, I don't. I have no oh, idea who yeah, that yeah. was. <laughs> I absolutely thought that I was watching Kelly Hugh because there were so many like big names and like Chinese actor yeah. names in this that I was like wasn't surprised to see Kelly Hugh among them. You know? No, it's funny actually. Uh, speaking of uh, Chow Yun Fat, uh, General Yang is played by Hong Kong actor Anthony Wong, who uh, a frequent collaborator of John Woo even appeared in Hard Boiled. Oh, okay. Um. So yeah, so the guy I think Roger betrays everybody. Uh, okay, I just remembered something. I want to get so Lynn opens up the tomb to kill the mummy, and then she's like, "It's a decoy. It's just a eunuch." Which is like, how? Do, okay, why do you need? Why do we need that detail? But then in my head, I'm like, "Whoa, wait! I haven't seen this since 2008. Where's the real mummy? Do they go to a different place?" But he's just in. He's just like a foot away. He's just like another terracotta mummy. Yeah, yeah. He's just like up, up in the up in the rafters. Yeah. What's the point of having a decoy? I don't know. <laughs> I like. I I don't know what the point. I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I have a lot of. I have a lot of questions about what the. I mean, I guess. I'm sure. I guess with, yeah. in terms of the tomb. The traps were all set by Michelle Yeoh and Lynn. Mm, okay, that makes sense. I assume. Yeah. I don't know how else. I, I I assume they're all there to stop people from doing exactly what Alex was trying to do. Right. Um, But in terms of, like, there being a decoy, maybe that was also set by them? They, like, presented... They're, like, presenting one of them as the emperor uh, I think to, like, was... buy them time to stop the actual emperor from, like... Maybe. Uh, that's the only thing that makes sense, know. but she was surprised that it was a decoy. Uh, Lynn was? It was Lynn. Lynn who discovered the decoy? Yeah, she was like, it's a eunuch. Okay. Then I have no fucking idea. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, the mummy gently wakes up, um, takes yeah. takes takes Choi and Yang on his carriage, yeah, but kills Roger. It's, uh, there's this like ball thing that holds like the... the, the elixir to eternal life yeah and um it needs the blood of someone pure of heart to like yes wake it's wake it up that's right and <laughs> they go to like shoot him and evelyn like jumps in the way and they're like ah only someone pure of heart would would do that and then they but they they get 
Brendan Fraser's blood, not hers. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they open up. The, so the mummy runs away on the chariot. They chase right. after the mummy and we get we get like a we get a, a, a like a like a two star, two and a half star chase yeah. through the streets of Shanghai. This is probably the most successful action sequence, which isn't surprising coming from the director of The Fast and the Furious. That's true. That's true. Um yeah. I like the part cuz they 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 steal a fireworks cart. Oh, because it, the whole this whole thing takes place during Chinese New Year. Yeah. So Oh yeah, that's another lo- that's another jo- joke that doesn't make any fucking sense is when he was like it was they're like, "Well, what's with all the people in the streets?" He's like, "Oh, it's Chinese New Year." He's like, "I love it here. They have so many extra holidays." And I'm like, "No, they just have their holidays. They're not extra holidays." Yeah. And it's New Year's. They don't celebrate your holidays. They just have theirs. You fucking colonial. <laughs> yes i know i'm like that's not a joke yeah there's a lot of those yeah. um they uh what are you mummy magnets there's a lot of that yeah um, it's like it's a lot of dialogue in the form of a joke right yeah that isn't actually a joke and you know i'm not gonna say the mummy returns was immune to that that had a lot of like just like old yeah. times oh we're doing this again oh these guys well, again but but that I blame on the speed at which that movie was made. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm fully convinced that The Mummy Returns is a first draft screenplay. Mm, um, yeah. yeah you of just like, I'm gonna, just going to shit this uh, out really quick. Yeah. We got to yeah. go. We gotta go. Uh, because, because we have to shoot this, start shooting in nine months, you know? <laughs> um, but this time, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the part where they shoot the firework out and then gently kicks it. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I really like the recurring, uh, uh, them like smashing open his statue face, revealing his like fucked up mummy face. Yeah, and then the statue face like sort of growing over it again. Right, which is like I guess part of whatever this curse is that he's under. I think so. Um, but it's it's a cool it's cool. I actually, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. And he throws it. it. He'll like throw the he'll throw the shell at someone. Yeah. We'll use it as like a weapon. Yeah. Um, I I still, I just don't, I just don't know if this qualifies as a mummy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, oh, uh, we also forgot to mention he has like control over the five elements. Water, fire, earth, dirt, and metal. Wood and metal. Wood. That was it. That was the like, what, what? Wood. Earth, yeah. wood, and metal. Yeah. Earth, er, yeah. Earth, air, water, wood, metal. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fire. Sorry. Fire. Fire, er, air, water, wood, wood, metal. Metal. Not earth. Not earth. Wood. Not earth. Yeah. I don't think it, he ever uses wood. <laughs> he uses fire a lot. That's yeah. kind of his main one. That's that's my problem is I'm just like, well, what the fuck is the point of introducing this? It never comes into play. Not once. Yeah. Like that's outside cool. of just like him, like shooting fireballs at people. Bah, that's kind of it. That's yeah. It. He, he never like he, I guess he kind of does water a little bit once where he stops that wave. Yeah. But like do some cool shit, like have him drown somebody by like putting like a water ball around their face. Yeah. Or, or like or like suck the air out of their lungs. Yeah. Or 
you know, I don't know. There's so many cool shit you could do with that. You have some fucking imagination. Like, why I introduce? Why introduce those powers if he's not gonna like really do anything with them? Yeah. When does he use fireballs? I don't. I don't know. Wood's not an element. <laughs> well, it's it's part of Earth, right? It's part of Earth. Yeah. Could Toph could Toph control a, control trees? If she was earth bending, could she like move a tree out of the? No, it would be earth. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's part of Earth, right? Yeah. Right. P- plant life would be part of that. Like, like if Toph, if if, if or like, if, or if is it because had... that's that's or or is it not an element because technically it's alive? Mm, that's true. They're alive technically. Yeah, like you can't control like a like a squirrel or a fish. Yeah, um, it's like a living. It's a living thing. So that's so sh- it's not technically part of Earth. So Toph couldn't Toph couldn't like control vines, or I guess not. I just remember her th- fucking throwing rocks at people. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, L- listeners, let us anyway. know. Can Toph? <laughs> anyway, uh, so that sequence ends. I think yeah, they get away. Um, they reconvene back at Imhotep's. Um, I like the little detail of like. Rick putting a bunch of ice in a napkin and using it. Wait, what happened to his nuts? Why did he put that on his nuts? He hurt his nuts somehow. Yeah, I don't remember what happened there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what happens after that, Scott? Uh, that's when um, Lynn is like, you know, we got we to gotta go to the mountains. Right. Um, and, and he's like, I know a hell of a pilot. And then they... They go. They use Magdog to take them to the 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 Andes. Where are they going? What mountains are those? Look, but yeah, they do uh, the trailer joke of like, oh, I I, I tell you to pack your seatbelts, but I don't have any. And he's like, ah, why am I laughing? Well, it's too cheap to buy any. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, they travel to the Himalayas. Oh, the Himalayas. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so. They, um, yeah, they cr- uh, yeah. they they crash. We get the best joke in the whole movie. I'm kidding. Where uh, they the yak vomits and Jonathan's like the yak yacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like they're like, yeah, this sounds like a joke. It's like somebody who has no idea what humor is, but is like trying to scientifically figure it out. Yeah, it's the same word. Yak yak means throw up, and he's a yak. Yeah. Yeah, that works. That's 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 funny, right? That's a joke. We're good. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So they they go to like the uh, they go the to temple. this temple. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh. And then the the army shows up. Uh. The dragon emperor army shows up and. Yeah. So um, General General Yang has amassed a group of like live you know Chinese you know soldiers that are part of this I guess cult. That want to resurrect the dragon person, the dragon emperor. Yeah. So like they're shooting at like real dudes for a lot of this, which I thought was yeah weird and interesting. Not uh, interesting. But, so like know. the the whole purpose of this is that they're they're using they're trying to stop the dragon emperor's army from discovering the location of Shangri La. Yes. Um, this like mystical land of the free mysticism. I yeah. don't know. Um, 
and and uh, uh, so they're like trying to hold down the fort, and that's when like Lynn pulls in the Yetis who show yeah. up. And they're they fucking rule. They've got so much personality. <laughs> There's that bit where like one of them is like trying to figure out if Jonathan is a good guy or not. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "I'm on your team." <laughs> it's, it's so so fun. The part that I loved is yeah, yeah, like like you said, the Yetis come out of fucking nowhere. They're not even alluded to. There's not even like it's like snowing heavy, and they just fade into vision. Yeah. Because they're like running from in the snow and it's just like all of a sudden six fucking yetis show up and you're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like there's not even a part a few minutes prior where, you know, there's like a, you know, like an etching or a painting of the yetis on the temple wall. And Alex is like, who are these guys? And, you know, Lynn's like, oh, some legend has it that these yetis protected the temple or whatever. Like, no, not even that. There's absolutely no setup. And and all what it, what's really weird is that the yeti showing up out of nowhere is really just a setup for Michelle Yeoh's explanation of how her and her daughter are immortal where she's like, yeah, I was totally dying. And then the Yeti found me and they took me to this, (laughs) to this place with the, with the pool of eternal life and, you know, let me be immortal, but I was pregnant. So then my daughter was also immortal, which I have a lot of fucking (laughs) questions about that. Cause I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 why aren't you just permanently pregnant forever then? Yeah. How did she fucking age? That's if she true. was right. Yeah. <laughs> how did it how how did she not just like she should just still be like a living baby inside of you? She just should like, be like a 2000-year-old embryo. <laughs> I don't understand what, this. Why did she, when did she stop aging? Why did she hit adulthood and then stop? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. Uh, um I love I, I love that the Yetis come. They stop at Lynn because Lynn was the one who was yelling at them like, hey, come help me. And she's like, the soldiers are evil. Stop them. And they're like, OK, that's all we need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they go they go down there. They kick some ass. They throw people around. It's awesome. Uh, do you like the part? I where... wish the Yeti were in the whole fucking movie, to be Absolutely. perfectly honest. It's a crime. We don't get any Brandon Frazier yelling or interacting with Yetis in this. No, no. We get him screaming abominable snowmen. Abominable snowman, but that's it. Yeah, um, and then they have to like. There's exposition where they're like explaining, like, oh yeah, no, but actually they called them yeti. Yeah, and that was weird. You, people know what yetis are. You people could just start are. there. You don't need to. <laughs> uh, I don't think abominable snowman is the common parlance. I I feel like yeti is the common parlance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. Abom- like, don't... Yeah, abominable snowman is like Bigfoot. Right. Like, but like people know that you, if you say Sasquatch, it's the same thing. Right. You don't mean, yeah. yeah. Sasquatch are like ground yetis. Yeah. When I, when I think yeti, I think like snow mountain or like, you know, the dude from Monsters Inc. Yeah. And, and the Loch Ness monster is water yeti. <laughs> yeah. Water yeti. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Part of the yeti kingdom. <laughs> uh, uh, did, did you did you like the part where uh, one of the Yetis throws a bad guy in between the two columns and the other Yeti does like a it's good sign like football? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's better than what was happening before. That's they've true. got That's a better true. sense of humor than anyone else in this movie. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> so the Dragon Emperor causes an avalanche. The Yeti protect all the humans. 
Um, yep. But Rick gets uh, did he get shot? Yeah, Rick, Rick. No, he gets so so. Um, uh, okay, so if I I remembering Alex is going to shoot the diamond thing right. that is going to reveal the eye of Shangri La. Yes, he's going to shoot the eye of Shangri La so that the Dragon Emperor can't learn its location. The Dragon Emperor on the opposite roof sees him and throws his sword at him. Right. And then Rick jumps in and gets stabbed in- instead. But it's like a boomerang sword. So like it stabs it. completely through him and then like <laughs> and then like slides back out and goes back to the Dragon Emperor. He gets to see where Shangri-La is. Right. And then the avalanche happens and then like Rick is uh suffering under yeah. under all the snow. And they're like, we have to get him to Shangri-La. To heal him, right? Um, they do. They meet Michelle Yeoh, right? Um, he gets to be in that pool. Yeah, um, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah, and now, yeah, now Michelle Yeoh is is like, yeah, no, I've been, I've totes been here for like two thousand years. It's crazy. It's all right. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter was allowed to age into her early twenties and then stop forever. Right. And it was really cool, the Yeti, to do that for us. Yeah. Um, did you meet the Yetis? They're really cool. <laughs> They're my buds. They're my we buds. We watch football every Sunday. That's how they know to do. <laughs> That's how they do know how to thing, do this. The arm thing. <laughs> they love it. They love American football. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know this about Yetis, but they fucking love American football. <laughs> They're big oh, Cowboys fans. Huge Dallas um, Cowboys fans. <laughs> oh, it's too bad we don't get any like Michelle Yeoh interacting with the Yetis either. That would have been great. I know. I just uh, I love that like we leave the 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 prologue with her stabbed and like running away with the book, but he's like, yeah, you're gonna fucking die. I just like you know, good luck, whatever. good luck with your death, whatever. Good luck being stabbed, idiot. And like that's it. That's where we leave her. And then here she was like, it's a good thing those Yeti found me <laughs> and brought me to Shangri La and saved me. I was like, why did they fucking single you out? Why why did they fucking care about you? And like. How, you know, you don't even have like the part where she's like, um, you know, stabbed and bleeding out and like running away and then she collapses and then we see like the outline of the Yetis over right. her, you know, like. No, instead we get that weird transition where you you zoom into the Dragon Emperor's like like statue, like right. tomb head and yeah. then it and then it, it cross fades into like Rick O'Connell's head fly as fishing. he's like fly fishing. Yeah. Um, weirdest off-putting transition i i i think that if i had seen that i, I mean i did see this in theaters <laughs> so i'm sure when that happened i was like whoa <laughs> because it is it is jarring. like off-putting it's very jarring and very off-putting because you are entirely too close to rick o'connell's face yeah um oh, man. yeah um, but uh yeah so they they like you, you know you get this little quiet moment they do have one i think legit pretty good joke uh-huh. in the movie Please. And it's Jonathan goes out and looks at the view and he's like, wow, this is Shangri-La, huh? See a lot of opportunity. Maybe a casino. I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> of the Shangri-La casino, like in, in right. Vegas. Like, that's funny. Like, I don't know. It's rooted in, yeah, it's rooted in character. It's kind of like a fun little, like, ah, this happens in the future. It's a, it, it, it's a joke. It, yeah, it is an actual joke and not dialogue in the form of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I think the thing that really, I think the thing, because we're already past the part where he's like, mom, just so you know, I've had sex a bunch, is like, what what human would go out of their way to tell their mom that they've 
hooked up with a lot of random women. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's it. it uh, that's what led me to believe. No oh, one. this dude's never had sex. This dude's a virgin. Yeah. No. No one would ever do that ever. Um. And the reason that he does is because he's not being written as he's being written as the character that they want him to be with everyone and he's, they're not taking into any consideration what his relationship with each individual other character is he's Absolutely. just the same guy with every single person that he interacts with he's mr cool tough guy sunglasses no matter who he's talking to yeah which is fucking bullshit that's not a real person that no, no one is like that no one is like that indiana yeah. jones the second <clears throat> he is in front of his dad he becomes like a little boy again and it's like yep hilarious and fun and heartwarming to watch Yep. And and when he's with uh when when he's with um Marion, uh yeah. he's like uh, apologetic and and oh, feels hey, bad. Oh. He's 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 like, "Oh man, I really fucked up with this." Um uh, you know, I like really that's his he, his shoulder slump, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um and, and but then when he's up against a guy he doesn't like, he's like all up in their fucking face. Yeah. There's that part. There's like so many parts in Last Crusade where he does something cool, and he's like, "Ah, oh, wasn't that cool, Dad?" And the dad's like, "You're an idiot." And he's and like, like, "Oh man, man. <laughs> god damn it, yeah, just can't win for losing." <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, and like they don't the the, the Rob Cohen, Goen Millar, whoever they don't get that it actually makes you. It would have made us like Alex more if they yes. had allowed him to be vulnerable and off a step. When he's around, like his uncle Jonathan or his mom or his dad, right? You know, but that's that is something that only Justin Lin understood about Fast and the Furious too. That's true. Like, they're all get all the characters need to have different relationships with each other. You look at that first, the Fast and the Furious. It's exactly like this, where sure. every character is exactly who they are with every other character. There's no change in their demeanor or anything. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. They're, that's a good point. They're just they're just one person, and that's it. Um, that's, that's, yeah, it's just not reality. Uh, Justin Lin would make a good mummy movie. He would. I mean, I mean yeah, Justin Lin should just make another movie. More stuff, period, please. Yeah. What the fuck um, is he doing next? Aren't they trying to get him for ha- fucking Hot Wheels? God, that's such, that's so boring. <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, fucking boring. He made fucking six Hot Wheels movies. Oh, Leave him alone. You I know? just, I think, I, I just remember, I don't, I have to look this up. I think he's supposed to be doing that One Punch Man movie. Oh, okay. That's better. That be that I'm more interested in. Um, um, but yeah, I would, I would with all of the globe trotting in the Fast and Furious movies. I think I would prefer to see a globe trotting adventure of some sort from Justin Lin. Yeah, honestly, he should make an Uncharted movie if they were going to make another one of those. That would be good. Maybe recast the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, <laughs> that would be cool uh, or a Tomb Raider he would be a cool Tomb Raider Ooh, director yeah the one that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is writing maybe yeah mm. so uh, they awaken the armies there's a big army battle and yeah like it looks it looks pretty cool I like you know the terracotta army looks different than the army of good mummies yeah you can tell who's who yeah for sure that's that's good yeah, that's not I always mean, that's not always the case. Yeah, yeah, and and like it, what what I don't like though, and like because okay, yeah, the CG significantly better than the Mummy Returns, but mm. in the Mummy Returns, they gave Rick and Evelyn and Jonathan different little side stuff to do mm-hmm. in the temple, and in this one, they're just shooting, 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 
Yep. The whole finale. Yeah. The mummy returns um, is using what I call, and I guess it's been in lots of things, but I call it the phantom menace approach. Right. Um, Which is there's, there's a laser sword fight. There's a battle in the stars. There's a battle on the ground. And then there's espionage all happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're cutting back and forth between all of those things. So you never get bored of one thing before you move on to the other. Granted, The Mummy Returns really only has two things, right? right. Um, you're like, okay, you're, well, let's say, okay, Rick is fighting, Rick is fighting the Scorpion King, uh, yes. Ardith, Ardith Bay and the Magi are having their big, huge Anubis fight. Right, um, right. Evelyn's fighting Anox and Amun, and right. uh, Alex and Jonathan are trying to, like, read from the book and do the spell. And then figure out the spear. The spear, um, that's right, the spear. Yeah, yeah, so they, they, they but, you know, but essentially, it's not as, it's not as, um, spread out as phantom menace is where it's For all sure. in different locations it really is there's one thing happening outside and there's four things happening inside <laughs> yeah for sure um, um but here but but here it is literally two things there's yeah. the battle outside where everyone is and then michelle yo and jet lee are doing their fucking thing whatever yeah, whatever that is there and they're, that's they're it that's hyper hyper edited fight yeah, those are the two things that are happening, and um, neither are particularly interesting. Unfortunately, there um, is they all just they both just sort of feel like, yeah, at some point this is just going to stop, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is a good line, but it's not a good line in the context of the movie. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> Well, there's there's a part where uh, they're they're like you know Evelyn and Rick are like back to back and they're just firing and the mummies are getting closer and Rick says like the next time I say we've been in worse scrapes than this this is what I'm talking about and I'm like it's a good line that is a good line that 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 is a good line I see what you mean by not in the context of this movie because like that I mean this isn't that bad um, right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that is, that is, that is a good line. That's, that's, yeah, that is pretty good. Like if someone um, wanted to rip off that line in another movie and, and use it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't tattle. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you're, you're like, yeah, that deserves to be in a better situation than this. Hey, this person uh, saw the mummy a, tomb of the dragon emperor. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good line. Um, yeah. So Michelle Yeoh loses her fight with Jet Li. Right. Um, which kind of fucking sucks to be honest. Uh, she dies but gives the the sword that she was stabbed with it's the it's the knife that you have to stab his heart with to like en- like end the curse and kill him permanently and his right. army mm-hmm. and so she's like i'm dying here take the knife do the thing Ugh. um yeah. <laughs> so then she's dead and then uh uh rick and alex like oh, because team. the cost of grazing the army in the first place michelle yo yes. gives up her immortality to raise the army so that's why she can die and her daughter's immortality. And her daughter, very important. Right. Her daughter can that, that can... way that she can live happily ever after with Alex, because that's what she was like. No, we can't date because I just watch you die after a few years, and that sucks. Right. She's um, like, I've watched my mom mourn her lover for thousands of years. I don't want to do that too. Yeah. There's absolutely, I can't emphasize this enough. No reason for him to for her to like him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other than like she's pre- he's presumably like the first cute boy that she's ever seen, uh, <laughs> ever. which ever. is also kind of hard. So like as much as we've <laughs> yeah. been harping on how much non chemistry Rick and Evelyn have in this, it's even worse with Lynn and Alex. No, the movie owes us chemistry between yes. the two of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> God. I should have gotten a refund of chemistry, chemistry. when I left this theater. Here, uh-huh. Here's some more chemistry. Use this on whoever you want. Uh, yeah. We didn't use it in the movie. It was left over. <laughs> Sorry. Oops. Oops. We forgot to use this chemistry. Here, We suck two hours out of your life. Um. <laughs> So they, uh, uh, so Rick and Alex, uh, double team, uh, tag team, Jet Li. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a cool idea. And, like, yeah. Well, it was, but it was also like, <laughs> yeah, Rick has this whole to do where he's like, stop using your fucking magic, asshole. Be a man. Have some honor. And then, like, fucking Alex grabs him from behind so he can Ugh. stab him. And you're like, yeah. that, that's where there's no honor in that. And then he doesn't even comment on that. Where right. like it would have been so easy to comment to be like that probably wasn't that honorable, but you know you're the fucking bad guy, so whatever. Yeah. Fuck you. And yeah, that's kind of that, that, yeah, yeah. And, and that's a Rick O'Connor yeah. line, right? Right. Um, maybe not the fuck, but yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> the first <laughs> bomb just, in mummy history. Yeah, right. Where he's just like he's like yeah, that wasn't that honorable, I guess. But you're the bad guy, so mm. yeah. Um. And then he dies. Because that cool. that's always been Rick's always been like a little bit more of a scoundrel than even Indiana Jones, right? Right, right. Like we said, he's he leans more heavily into Han Solo territory. Right. Yeah, he's Han- much more of a scoundrel. Indiana Jones by way of Han Solo. That's right. Kind of right. like our, our or map. or I guess Indiana Jones like in Temple of Doom before sure. he <laughs> learned the value in uh, not doing things for fortune and glory. Yeah, being um, a good person. Yeah. Uh, again, having a fucking character arc. Yeah. Uh, Boom. Even Temple God of Doom. He has, he has an arc. So yeah. uh, the mummy's dead. Uh, all's well that ends well. I'm genuinely trying to remember any imagery from the ending. Um, uh, they go back to the club. Yes. They, 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 uh, Alex and, and Lynn are dancing and... Um, I don't remember anything that happens with Rick and Evelyn in that last no. scene. I guess, I guess they're just like, maybe they're dancing too or something. I literally watched this like an hour ago. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I cannot remember. I think it's something about them being like, ah, maybe we don't have to retire so soon or something like that. Um, and then, and uh, then Jonathan is like, I'm done with the Shanghai business. And he, he's like, I'm leaving this place. And he gets in a car and says something about going like exploring like ink and no he's something. like i'm i'm going in a fuck shanghai i'm going to peru and then he drives off and then there's a little text on the screen that says shortly after mummies were discovered in peru yeah right that's right yeah okay. which i kind of i remember that got a laugh in the in the theater yeah that is also an actual joke but it's a joke i think an editor probably found <laughs> like you know it'd be funny if we did yeah, like yeah, you're right. That is funny. It's one of the only laughs in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so thus ends the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I'm genuinely. It's going to be interesting to see how this how how we react to the Mummy next week compared to this. Yeah, I'm also interested in that. So to wrap up. Yes. This era of this franchise, the Brendan Fraser era. Wish you could call it the Brendan Fraser, Rachel Vice era, but unfortunately you kind of can't. Yeah. Um, the Brendan Fraser era of The Mummy is over. I would have loved to see that Antonio Banderas Aztec mummy movie. 
Yeah. I would have loved to see a fucking Rasputin, like Russian mummy movie. Oh yeah, yeah. What's that um, like? right? Like you set, you set the Aztec one in the early fifties, and maybe you set uh, the Rasputin one in like the late fifties or like nineteen sixty. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, Cold War, kinda. but I think in both of those cases, I wouldn't want to do that to Brendan Fraser. I would want <laughs> if he was going to be in it, I would want him to be playing the role of Sean Connery in Last Crusade. And yeah, this is the world where Chris Hemsworth played Alex, and everyone loved him and was like <laughs> totally on board for seeing Alex, him come Alex. back. Yeah, um, yeah, and then like he's the new lead, and then that's what you do. You do the Antonio Banderas one. You do the Rasputin one. You get um, actually, did he play? Did he, has he fucking played Rasputin? Uh, uh, the guy from um, what is his name? Prison. He was in Prison Break, and he was in um, oh that guy stole stole. What is his name? Is it Stolmare? Pe- Peter or... Stormare. Yeah, right. Yeah, he'd be great because uh, from John Wick, right? Because uh, Reese Fawns played him in Kingsman. Yeah, Rasputin. But yeah, okay. Peter Stormare would be great. Uh, Peter Storm here as like a as a mummy Rasputin. Come the fuck, come on! That's, That's a metal. fucking movie. That's yeah. metal as shit. The um, mummy, the curse you know of who Rasputin. else would make a fucking amazing mummy movie? Like, literally in this in this franchise yeah, in this, specifically, yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Oh hell yeah, absolutely! Like, imagine if he had made this instead of Rob. Uh, no, instead of being stuck in Hobbit hell. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Like a Hellboy two style kind of like fun mummy movie. Yes, yes. I mean, at that point, I don't think we ever get Rasputin because he already did that in in. Uh, <laughs> That's true. In the first Hellboy. Hellboy, but but yeah, like that would fuck. And then like he does this, and then he does the Antonio Banderas Aztec one. Amazing. Holy fucking oh, shit! A metal. God damn it! Oh man. Well. God damn it. Our between episode for this is going to be really fun. Yes. Yes. I think so. I agree. But uh, so next I'm week. Also, I'm, I'm also please. looking forward to watching Van Helsing. That's true, too. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. I mean, like getting some more Stephen Sommers craziness after this. Um, yeah. But yeah, some Kate Beckinsale fun, some Hugh Jackman fun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but next week we dive headfirst into the dark universe. <laughs> yes, uh, excited to unearth what I can from that. Uh, I know. Be, I, I I wonder. I feel like there's going to be a lot. I feel like a lot has been said. Yeah, at like this point. I feel like the last two weeks have been kind of research light. Yeah, um, these movies aren't very uh, studied, to put it lightly. Yeah. So right. it'll be, you know, there's a lot of stuff about the dark universe. So it'll be really fun to to dive into that next week. Yeah, for sure. Man. Um, listeners, I hope you're there. I hope you're listening yeah. to this because you asked Directorial for Directorial debut of Alex Kurtzman. Wow. The one who's not a 9-11 truther. Who we have discussed during our Star Trek. Yeah. It feels like a little bit of a culmination of that. A little bit. Um. Because Orsi never got his directorial debut. Kurtzman nope. got it before him. It was going to be Star Trek. And then, it was, you know. Yeah. Shit happens. Shit that fucking happens. Devin Faraci article just like wrecked his entire career. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. 
So, so uh, yeah, any any closing thoughts on Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Scott? Um, yeah, I you know equally I would say equally not as good as mm. the Mummy Returns, but in completely different ways. Yeah, uh, I think it is more. Uh, it is a more like competently finished complete film. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I, I like on a macro level, I step back and I'm like, I think that's a better movie, but on a micro level, it's like, there's not as much juice in there. Um, yeah, I would even say this kind of at times even has stronger vibes, like cooler vibes. Cause like you get the Shanghai stuff, you get the Himalaya stuff. Whereas the yeah. mummy returns was just kind of the mummy microwaved with a jungle. With a jungle, you got a jungle, jungle stuff, and like like a city, a, ch- a city chase, I guess. Like the yeah, chase. so it's a lot of repetition, and then uh, then a jungle thing and a city thing. Yeah. Um, whereas this is like all new shit. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Just admirable. Um, right. It's just that none of it rises to a level of me being like, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah, I'm never like having fun while no. watching this. I'm just sort of you, like you said, like you know Jack Nicholson staring at the television. Like, okay, I yeah. have never even the bubble. I checked how much time was left, like eight times during this. Wow. Wow. Anyway, man, brutal. Yeah, this, this is boring, but <laughs> f- fun episode though. Really, really fun. Really fun discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be boring when none of your characters have any chemistry with each other. You know, absolutely. It's not. It's not. It's never fun to watch that. Uh, I'm glad Brandon Fraser is in his like, you know, Orson Welles, Russell Crowe like character actor era now. He's well, actually, I don't know if you've seen him on the picket line, but he's finally lost all of the whale weight. Oh, okay, good for him. Yeah, no, he like he put that weight on and then I think he took a few like heavy uh character roles um yeah. afterward, like as he was in the process of losing it, just to be like, Well, I gained it for this, so I might as well fucking use it while I got it. Sure. And like did yeah. a few things. But like now, like I saw him on the on the picket line, I think in New York, I think is where he was. But um no, he's like looking like, you know, like a fifty year old guy, but he's yeah. like much more svelte. But like uh, you know, like a a normal like Midwestern svelte, not uh, not uh, you know, sixty year old Tom Cruise svelte. <laughs> yeah, def- another guy who's probably sending. You know, I, I bet there's some like some like, low level Scientologists that are like in the jungles of Peru trying to find the elixir of life right now. As we <laughs> probably, what would happen to the theatrical experience if I died? If I die, no one will care about the theatrical experience. Oh God, Jesus Christ! Um, talk a lot about the that Scientologists guy are coming for us now. Uh, <laughs> but no, Brendan Fraser's looking great right now. He's yeah. looking really great. He's looking really healthy. Um, I, I, uh, he's like one of those guys where, like, uh, you know, now that you know everything that he's gone through, I'm just so fucking proud of him. Yeah. You know? Which is like, I that feels so. I don't know. I don't know if that feels infantilizing or whatever. But I'm just like, God damn it, dude! Like you fucking went through the ringer and like. You're back and everybody loves you and like good on you, dude. Like you Yeah. You, fuck. I mean Just that's fucking proud of him. It's something it's weird that we haven't talked about this yet, but I guess this movie is notable in that it stars two twenty twenty three Academy Award winning actors. Uh Brendan Fraser for the whale 
and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere oh. All at Once. Right, of course. Your, your yes. number one film of 2022. Yes, that's true. Um, I, I, I was, I, I, yeah, I just, I completely for like a split second just forgot Michelle Yeoh was in this movie, um, yeah. <laughs> which is not anything against Michelle Yeoh. It's more the movie's problem. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, she had, um, had even less to do in this than I remembered. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, no, you're totally right. Uh, yeah. It's really interesting how many connections there were between like Brendan Fraser knew two of the actor winners because right. he'd worked with, he, uh, with Quan on, um, Encino man. Right. Yeah. Um, and was in the mummy and he was in temple of doom. And this is like a riff on temple of doom. Like there's like, all... which also starred Michelle Yeoh. There's so many connections between wow. the three of them. It's who all... is the other one? Who is the other, who's the supporting actress? Okay. Quan, Michelle Yeoh. Brendan Fraser, who won Best Supporting Actress? I don't freaking remember. Someone is yelling at us right now. I know. I Now I got to see. 2023. Oh, is it Jamie Lee uh, Curtis? Oh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. I don't know that they were ever in a movie together, Brendan Fraser and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I'm not sure about that. Interesting. Let me see. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, man. They're probably going to be like they were in the Oscars together. Um, Lee <laughs> Curtis and Brendan. Did you ever see the whale? Fraser. No. Oh, I'm God. not. I'm the not. Fucking uh, whale I, again. This fucking sucks. I'm man. not a. Uh, I'm not a. Um, what is Darren the Aronofsky. Name? Yeah, I'm not an Aronofsky guy on the best of days. Sure. Um, <laughs> and I'm certainly not uh, an Aronofsky guy uh, making a movie about uh, an overweight. A morbidly obese um, uh, gay man. I don't Sadie know that that's Sink, something I'm, you please be I'm nice interested to in. Me. No. I don't know that that's something I'm interested in seeing him tackle. Um, it's a trip. Yeah, no, it literally like I, 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 I Google Jamie Lee Curtis and Brendan Fraser and all I got were stuff from the Oscars this year. Got so it, I don't think it. they've ever been in anything together. Well, they need to work uh, together. I agree. Maybe they will now. Right. And the Mummy Five. <laughs> I would be curious if he would be opposed. I don't. I think he's even mentioned that he would not be opposed to making. Oh, for another. sure. Yeah, I've I've come across I've come across a few quotes in my research. People are like, yeah, I do it. Fuck it. Yeah, he's you know he's because I think now he feels safely in a period where he's like, no one's going to expect me to do stunts. Yeah. So. Like, I'll be the elder statesman in the movie, and I, I, I think he doesn't have any issue with that. Well, and we'll, I mean, like, you know, this is what the between episode is for, but, you know, like, right. the franchise is kind of in shambles. Like, do they try and get Vice back and just pretend that Maria Bello never happened? Do they try? Oh, yeah. Re- no, you just you just double down on the joke, I think. Yeah. I, I think you just have Rachel Vice at a book signing and saying the same thing um, like or a- something. That third variation of the same thing. That third book. Like, yeah, that one was a little different. It's not my favorite. (laughs) That third one sucked ass, and no one liked (laughs) it. And I was played by a fat cow. (laughs) Go real dirty for no reason. Um, Or you could do what uh, the Connors did, um, where they brought Sarah Chalk back, but not as Becky because they brought original Becky back. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so Sarah Chalk is playing a different character. I feel like if you brought Maria Bello back. Oh, it's you like could her have, sister. 
as like or or just as herself, like blonde hair, American. Yeah, like that'd be fun. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even connect that it's the same person. You know, that's fun. That's cool. Yeah, kind of way to honor. Hey, like you were in this and you did your best, and you're Maria Bello. You're the shit. Like, yeah. You're just you're not Evelyn. You're not Evelyn. <laughs> Sorry, and and then because she would be American, she would get to actually be that Catherine Hepburn with a gun character. Oh, that'd be hell yeah! Like, get behind me, Rick. Like a yeah. gun. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's fun. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. she could be Rick's. She could be Rick's sister. Oh, I love that. And then you're like, well, that explains why we didn't have any chemistry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, uh, yeah, no, our, our, our in-between um, is, is going to be crazy. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So um, next week we have Princess Aminette, uh, mm. a new world of gods and monsters, the dark universe. <laughs> yeah. A universe of darkness. Uh, Nick Miller. <laughs> yes. Basically playing Nick Miller in the desert. Um, <laughs> I am... Um, yeah, it's it's uh, God. There's I have so much to say. I am very excited to talk Absolutely. about that next week. Um, so yeah, next dark week, universe. Next dark week. universe. You yeah. wanted this. You made this happen. <laughs> we blame you. You voted for this. <laughs> you made this happen. Listen, anyway. listen to it. You read from the book of the dead. You uh, read from the book. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> Bye, everybody.